That's super nice is how that is. Mm. <laughs> Hello? Oh, good morning, uh, Merlin uh, man. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing very well. What's happening up there? Um, why do you say up? Well, I mean, you're... Do you uh, mentioned that I'm on some kind of promontory or something? I am... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have a turret on top of a garret on top of an ivory tower. Well, on top of one of the great hills of San Francisco. Yeah. I imagine you're, you know, you're up high and, uh, and you, you're looking down upon us mm. and you sound high. <sighs> no, I, you know, I can't really reveal too much. <laughs> you sound high. <laughs> chick sent me high. Yes. Chick sent me high. But that word uh, troubles me. Now, how, how are things going? You good? Yeah. Everything is uh, rock solid. Yeah, you're, you're, Thanks uh, for moving the show a little bit earlier. I just got off the phone with um, with uh, Matt Alexander. Your, did your you latest, tell him? Did you latest, tell him what I, I said? What you said? What did he say? And he said, uh, "Was thank, he cutting? Was he cutting with his British wit?" Yeah, he was really strong. And, Very dry. Uh, and he he said uh, he said thanks. And he said apparently he's uh, he's a big fan of the show. That other one. So I thought English people didn't lie. Oh, they no, they lie. They told him. Hmm. hmm. They say hmm. whatever they want. They're so good at um, saying saying something very coded in a way that seems in- incredibly civil and polite. They call that a left-handed molecule. <laughs> Where's my bill? It's stuck Hold back on. here. I think we might have the same bill. It's the one from the office store. For like oh, a, really? Yeah. I got mine Amazon. That is the add-on thing, right? Like when you're buying one thing and they add the other thing. Oh, you know, like hmm. it's an add-on for two ninety nine, and then it, you can't buy it by itself. But if you're already buying something, they can chuck it in there. And Dan, are you full of beans today? You seem like you're a little full of beans today. I'm, I'm super into it. Full of beans. It's full of beans. Like a hill full of beans. Full of beans. You seem a little bit full of beans. Black beans. Black beans. Hi. Um. <laughs> did you watch? <laughs> Let's start over. Did you Did you watch the film anymore this week? Um. Since the last show, I probably yeah. only seen it once since the last show. Is that all? Mm-hmm. I have been on a binge. Um, see, my, uh, Cash, Cash will frequently ask to see just specific scenes. He'll say, so we were sitting there. It was MJ's uh, birthday, which we, we actually her birthday was during the week. But we celebrated it on the Sunday. So cute. And we're trying to decide what to watch after the party. And he says, I'd like to watch The Aviator. <laughs> and I said, really? He says, but not the whole movie. I just want to see to the part where he pees into the jars. <laughs> Raising them right up here in I was, Austin, Texas. I, I was going to say one thing. I'm going to say something else. Um, <laughs> I think we've talked about this. You, you, we, 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 I worry. I worry a little. About I worry. I think about what I've put in front of my oh, daughter, mm-hmm. content-wise. <clears throat> yeah. Did I play the whole thing that he does? Uh, is it a new one? He has. He is pretty much memorized the part with the milk. Did I, I play know. this for you on the show? No, please, please do. All right. Do you want to hear the original first or, and then him, or do you just want to hear his? I think that would be good for our listeners. The original first. All right. Let me guess. Okay. Hang on. This, give me one second. This is all. The, yeah. this, okay. We'll cut all this. <laughs> okay. No, that's not. <clears throat> milk is bad. I shouldn't pick up the bottle of milk with my right hand. And I shouldn't take the top off with my left hand 
put it in my pocket. My left pocket. Okay, so for those who haven't seen the film, this is a scene depicting Howard Hughes uh, in an early, early stage of going into like an obsessive this compulsive is, This is when things like well and truly start going off the rails, where yeah. he goes from being peculiar and eccentric to like get, becoming a little pathological. Yeah, and he, this is, I think, the first time that he sort of locks himself into his theater and mm-hmm. begins watching the same movie over and over as you do. <laughs> Uh, so a little close to home. yeah, hits real close to home. So this is Cash uh, repeating this from the beginning. I should pick up the milk with my with my right hand and take the top off with my left hand and put it in my pocket, left pocket. And so I just I just. <laughs> Oh, that is profoundly funny and disturbing. Yeah, he does it really good. And he'll, and anytime like he'll hear me say something, I'll say like, let's start over. And he'll say, repeat it from the beginning. So, and he does oh. the accent. He has a little accent down. He's got it all down. He, he did. He sounds like he's from Texas. <laughs> Houston. I guess, I guess he is now. Houston. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, um, I, I worry about that, that imprinting, Drill you bits. know? <laughs> the imprinting. Is that how he corrects uh, Errol Flynn? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That guy's handsome. Oh gosh. Um, I, uh, it's I, you know, I just hung up from uh, talking to them uh, a couple minutes ago, and I had a great conversation, you know, with my daughter. It's so weird. She's like, it's just weird how she's growing up. It's odd, but at the end, she beautiful, goes, okay. beautiful family you have there. Thank you, thank you. She at the end, she says the the same thing every time, and it always makes me peel with laughter. She says, "Okay." I'm handing the phone over to mommy now. <laughs> and it's, but it's, you know, she says, I love you and I'll see you soon. But yeah. I, I, I'm handing the phone over to mommy now. And I can hear her like drawing it away from her ear. Uh-huh. But it's great because she sounds like, she sounds like your grandma or something. <laughs> All right. I'm putting pop pop on the line. <laughs> and, I, and my wife comes on. I'm, I'm just roaring with laughter. But like we, my, um, see, this is an example of what I'm talking about. My niece, uh, who's amazing. She's like, does, uh, uh, UCB improv. She teaches there. She's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started doing this dumb thing. Did I send you the picture of her in the medical chair? Did I send you that picture? I'll send I, it to yeah, you. I'll send yeah, it. send it again, though. Yeah, where she goes up and down in, in the medical chair. Anyway, my, so my, 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 uh, my niece and I started taking videos and, and taking photos, and she knows how much I don't like Facebook. And so I started doing this thing. So imagine me making a really, really exaggerated smiley face. <laughs> While I incline my head to the side and hold up the Japanese girl peace sign. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, and I go, Facebook. And then Molly goes, Facebook. And Eleanor goes, Facebook. My wife sent me a photo yesterday of my daughter doing the Japanese school girl peace sign. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, this but, is imprinting it, as you're saying. I mean, that was like, that was like t- 10 minutes of, of funny at a family event. And now I got a feeling she's going to be doing that from now on. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like the girl version of gang sign. Just don't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop doing that. I don't have a problem with the, the peace sign. Uh, a friend of mine has a Tumblr. It's just all pictures of Japanese girls doing the peace sign. You're I mentioned you'll check that out. Yeah, I was going to say, how do I find this immediately? I watched. Uh, watched. So I've been watching just movies. Solid. Would you like to hear some of the movies I've been watching? <laughs> yeah. Duh. No, I mean seriously. I've yes. been sitting in. I've been sitting in a room. Like all I do, I get up, I make coffee, and I watch movies all day long. So I've watched Watchmen. <laughs> I watched Watchmen twice in the yeah. last three days. I watched Hero twice. I watched uh, V for Vendetta twice. I watched uh, the second two Dark Knight movies. Um, Not the first I, one. 
Oh, I, you know, the Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. I really, really like that. Um, those movies, The Dark Knight is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And it's really, really long. Do you remember how long that movie is on the Joker? No. How long is it? It's so long. <laughs> I don't understand. Have you just moved on? <laughs> how long is it? <laughs> it's so long. Yeah. Are you ready for this? Yes, I'm it's, waiting. It's... <clears throat> Welcome to Match Game. Dumb Donald. <clears throat> Dumb Donald sat down with the Batman movie. And now it's got me back into Batman for the first time in years and years. I'm way back into Batman now. Oh, so anyway. Really so, Did you read the, uh, the Owls? The Chronicle? No, the, uh... no, that's my next one. So I still haven't finished The Dark Knight. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I did read The Watchmen. Uh, read Watchmen again mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. And, I want to uh, talk to you about the art in that. I would love to talk to you about the art in that. Okay. Is that a, that's not appropriate for this venue. No, it is. I think we could also talk about imprinting. That's a good topic. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? You know what I read? What I read yesterday? I read uh, I read the Killing Joke. And mm, I Killing Joke's great. Oh my goodness, that's awfully uh, the art in that is awfully good. Yeah, and it's a great story because I'd watch sit there and watch the. I mean Heath Ledger. My God, what what a performance! I mean, yeah, I know it's kind of a cliche. Like everybody knows Heath Ledger put in one of the greatest performances ever as the Joker. You know, he locked himself in a hotel like for a, for a month. And came up with all of the expressions and trying to recreate the Joker, basically, okay. to not do Jack Nicholson or anything. And that's how he came up with the voice, you know, and the little ticks and the licking his lips and all that stuff. So great. So great. Um, and I read, what else did I read? So I started Batman Year One. That's the other one I'm reading right now. And the Court of Owls is next. I feel like there's a lot I need to get through to get to Court of Owls. The advice that I have received right, right, on Court right. of Owls is that there are things that I shouldn't skip over. I'm very confused about chronologies of events. I don't know which sidekicks are dead and stuff. It's really confusing. So, but, but Dark Knight, they said, is based on, in part, I mean, obviously it's, you know, a lot of it's new, but it's based on Killing Joke and Halloween, what's the Halloween one? The Long Halloween or something like that. The one with, it's, it's basically the retelling of the uh, Two-Face. Yeah. Origin. Yeah. What a great movie. Great performances all around. So great. And then I started watching The Hulk again last night and it fell a little thin. The, like a, um, the, the, one the with, English guy, the English guy, the short English guy from, uh, from, uh, was that the guy from Sid and Nancy? No. Which one is he? Who I am know. I thinking? I don't no, know. wait, no, no, prof- no, wait, uh, professor, professor, uh, inspector, uh, Gordon is the one that was in Sid and Nancy. Is that right? Who am I thinking of? Who's the guy? Who, who am I thinking of? Who's the other guy I'm thinking of? In which? You know, there's those two English actors that are in movies. Oh, the- uh, um, Gary Oldman. Yes. That's the guy. No, is that the guy from Sid and Nancy who plays uh, Professor Gordon? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. <clears throat> um, did you ever watch that uh, that animation? Did you ever watch the animated Batman Year One? I have not. I haven't. I've not seen Batman. now the Long Halloween for me. Halloween. Is that what it's called? No, uh, but I'm just saying the uh, and yes, Gary Oldman is in Sid and Nancy. Um, okay, I just had to look that up. Uh, I do not, and I'm sorry, this is going to offend a lot of our core listeners. I do not like the artwork in The Long Halloween so much so that I have been unable to read it. Okay. It's, it looks goofy. I'm so sorry. It looks goofy and... Uh, uh, very, it's very stylized. Too sty- but not in the way that I like it it's feels not like I'm not reading something about Batman. I feel like I'm reading something that like is like uh, Sunday morning papers, business papers. Oh yeah, you okay. know, like it's it's not. It's like 
somebody it reminds me a little bit of the person who has has done uh Captain Marvel a little lately. Very oh, yeah. extremely stylized. Very controversial. I, I like it. I you know, once I got used to it. But no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Have it you read really Hush cool yet look. with uh, Jim Lee doing that? I've got I've got Hush and Court of Owls in, in uh in H C and I still haven't read them and I've got them on Comicsology. But see, it's a chronology problem. I need you to walk me through the chronology. I really need to read the Dark Knight all the way through, don't I? The- I, I I can't get into it nearly as much as I can get into, say, Watchmen from the same era. You're talking about I, the Dark I, I like, Knight as in the, um, as in the Frank Miller. Frank Miller. See, I'm liking year one an awful lot. I, I like Dark Knight, but I think I'm just getting to the part where it gets really good. It gets really good like halfway through, right? Well, I mean, yes. Yes, you do need to have read the Dark Knight. You do need to read this. Okay, and he's like, he's like 50 or 60 in that, right? Yes, he is. I started it, it like four times, and I've just never made it all the way through. You know what? I'm taking it home today. I will read The Dark Knight all the way through today. I read this thing in 1986 when it came out, and I've read it once since, and it I felt like it didn't – it doesn't work for me in 2013 or whatever as, the way that it did in 1986. That's, 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 that's what people say about that and Watchmen. Yeah. And, and Watchmen, I, though, I – Oh, my I, God. It's it's feels very different to me now than when I read it in – I forget the year that it came out, also the 80s, right? But 80, I think 86. 86, 88, okay. So like in one, I think in, a, in the space of about a year, Watchmen, I mean amongst others, but Watchmen, Dark Knight, and I think Mouse all came out oh. around the same time. And I, according to what I've read on the internet, uh, I think that Dark Knight was the first like DC like graphic novel, mm-hmm. like where it was actually it had like a spine and stuff. Mm-hmm. It came and out that, well. It came out in four. There were four issues that came out first, and it was and we called them graphic novels, uh, which I still call them now. They're supposed to be trade, whatever. But this came out as four issues, and man, I think there's was a difference. A, it, I mean, it, it was it was, it was deal, made Merlin. it was made to come out in that format. Yeah. It wasn't like a collection, no. right? And and then I think Year One came out not long after that, right? I think it did. But, but you know what it is? I mean, like I can, I look at Dark Knight and, and you look at anything else from that time and it's like, it's, I mean, my God, you know what? I'm not going to get myself in trouble, but like, you know, the X-Men stuff I don't like was five years after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was, that, that was a complete, such a stylistic, such a different approach. And you know, I know Frank Miller, a little, little bit, uh. A lot of these guys are pretty nuts, aren't they? You got Alan, you got Frank Miller, you got Alan Moore. Mm, those guys, oh got, no, they're all crazy. All these guys. Okay. Okay, and uh, and boy, and uh, Grant Morrison, they're they're all a little crazy, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But they do good stuff. Yeah, they, but yeah. they pay for it. Oh, sure. That Grant Morrison, New X Men. I think I mentioned. I reread recently. So great. Um, we should we should uh, talk about comics on the show more. You know who loves this is Marco. This is why. Well, I know he. This is the main reason that he, he talked about. In. I think he talked about C programming literally just to just to make me confused as as retribution for talking about comics. It's like a penitence. Mm, hair shirt. Good week. Penitent man shall pass. Penitent. Oh, what's that from? Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. I'm going to leave. I'll leave you with that. As we v conclude for, I, I today's ordered, show. I ordered V for Vendetta. Because uh, uh, that's before Watchmen. The movie? Hmm? I watched it twice. First time I saw it was this week. I thought no. it was, I thought it was according to the Roger Ebert standards by which I adhere, I think it was pretty successful at doing what it set out to do. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a good popcorn movie. Oh, and I went to see Pacific Rim in the theater by myself, like a gentleman. Did you really? I did. I thought it was extremely good. The dialogue is a little silly at times, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a triumph for what, again, for what it sought out to do. I thought it was extremely good. And then Watchmen, every time I rewatch watch, 
Watch Watchmen. I I I I don't say I like it less because it is so beautifully it so beautifully adheres to the style of it. But it's it is. I got something called the Extreme. <laughs> There's like five versions of it. I got the one I think it's called the Extreme Cut, and it's got all of the Black Freighter comics. Oh, cut. have you seen that? Yeah, With the it's cut into it. It's three and a half hours long. <laughs> wow. But you know, there's there's two things in, in in the Watchmen movie that that drive me crazy. Uh, that I think, first of all, obviously there's no alien, right? There's, well, you're there's spoilers. spoiler alert. And I don't like the way in the flashback the way that when Rorschach's talking to the uh, the psychologist, mm-hmm. and you see the flat, that um, flashback of that um, in the I mean in the graphic novel the scene when he goes and you know mm-hmm. when Rorschach kind of became yes the character that he is, if you like. Um, I mean, there's a lot that leads up to that, but the way that he takes the guy out mm-hmm. is not right. Mm-mm. Have you seen the movie? Yes, I have seen the movie. It's, it's, it's you know, the, the, way that, the way that he leaves that guy mm-hmm. in the graphic novel is, is profoundly disturbing. Yes, and that shows that, that I think illustrates absolutely his crack- of with sanity, you know what I'm saying? Like the the break that he has. Well, and where he becomes, I mean, and, and again, this is stuff I've read on the internet. But I mean, one great thing about his, like, like the mask. Somebody, some, somebody wrote this somewhere. It's on the Wikipedia article. But you know, the idea that his mask is always changing, but there's no gray. It's always black and white. Everything for for Rorschach is like black and white. Mm-hmm. There's like there's like there's the there's there's like good and evil. There's the just and the unjust. And that's this that's where he you know he's had that horrible upbringing. And then he just he he cracks. And I think that's when he finally he switches over to going like, look. I mean, that's the point of the whole story, I guess, is mm-hmm. that that's when he says there are just bad people, and the only way to deal with them is to treat them horribly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas just hacking somebody, you know, is is merely gross. Anyway, yeah, I forget about the alien sometimes. Do you think he's the smartest man in the world? Adrian, uh, Adrian, fight. Well, I mean, there's no way to prove it anymore. He tricked, he tricked Dr. Manhattan. That he's got to be pretty smart. What do you, what do you think would happen? If, would, could there be a comic? I mean, assuming that the rights got cleared, let's be honest, where Dr. Manhattan and, uh, and Reed Richards and maybe Hank Pym could be roommates. Would that be a good show? Do you think? Uh, I, <laughs> I left the milk out. The milk has always <laughs> been out. Yeah. I made a robot that will destroy everyone. <laughs> the milk is still out. Coming with the milk. Anyway, great week, big week. One uh, more thing. One more thing I want to add oh, before so, you. So, I will talk about Batman. I need so much Batman tutoring. We can do this. And the owl thing, though. I mean, Court of Owls. Court like, of Owls. Can you give me just a rough sense of what I need to cover? I mean, obviously, I need to read the Dark Knight. I was trying to get through all the classics, basically. It depends. Let me put it this way: it depends on how important it is for you to feel familiar with Batman as a human being. It's becoming more important to okay. me. Okay. If it's, if it's not the, that familiar. I finally know the Barbara Gordon thing. Okay. I never knew how that happened. And now I know that. And reading that stuff is much richer to me now. Okay. You, that does not come into play really at all in the Court of Owls. She's the, an alpha flight now. Is that right? Please <laughs> no. Please continue. <laughs> um, the, the thinking that – the way that I, I think of this is if – okay. So – in in uh, in Indiana Jones, in the third film, you get to see Indiana Jones as a boy. You get to see how he gets his scar. You get to see how he gets the whip. You get to see how he gets his fear of snakes. And you get to also see how he gets the hat and, ha- and who he stylizes his adult 
the superhero version of Indiana Jones that he becomes when he's not teaching classes. Is that you, where we also meet the dog? Don't we meet the dog at some point? Yes, I think the Sean dog Connery is in there. The you see all of this stuff. Now, if you've seen the first two movies, you're going to enjoy knowing about his character more. But if you never saw them and you just see those, you just see this one movie, it's fine as a standalone piece. Okay. You're, it's just a little bit better. So that's what I would say. I don't feel like this is this is not a Marvel thing okay. where if you haven't seen or read these 20 other issues, these 20 other things, that you won't appreciate this one comment Wolvie makes and this one. No, you're going to be just fine reading this by itself. So it's okay. it. none of the things that I would say that you've mentioned are required reading to love the Court of Owls. But you're doing yourself a favor, I think, by reading them and getting to know the character okay. because there's – Bruce Wayne definitely is is pushed to the limits of his sanity in uh, in Court of Owls in a way that I think you'll, you'll more than appreciate. Dark Knight. Maybe oh, not more than Dark Knight. Okay, so let me ask you this: Is it okay to talk about the Joker's face? We shouldn't talk about that. Is this, no, no, is no talk before? about it. I don't know anything about what he's done to his face other than what Andy Nako has told me. I've been. Not- well, sh- we shouldn't. It's a spoiler. We shouldn't talk about his face. Um, <clears throat> did you want to tell me about anything you like, Dan? I do, but before I do that. There's hmm. one thing, There's I, thing I, like. I went and uh, I got a haircut. You look, you look so handsome. It's got a peak. It has a peak. And I, I took, I did a Merlin face, an angry Merlin face, and I put it on Instagram and I've included that in this week's show notes because this is, I, and now that I've met you several times in person, I feel like I can embody you and I hmm. did my best to embody. Hmm. I don't believe that. I don't believe you were attempting to embody me. I was. I think you just sent me, you sent me a selfie. It felt strong. Yeah. It's just your head in it. I didn't see the rest of you. This, you know, the rest of me is something. Your, your head is oddly well proportioned for the size of your body. Unlike gift, uh, really. that guy you like. Sometimes you see people and they got the wrong size head. You know, people on TV have larger than normal heads. Did you know that? If you see somebody, you look like a pinhead. If you got a regular size head on TV. <laughs> is that true? You look, you look 20, oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's on the internet. You, get, you look 20 pounds heavier and you got a pinhead. Anyway, it's a great photo. So did you already put that in the notes? Yeah, it's you're in not, there already. You're not, you're not rechanging the size and using my special tags, so sometimes I have to I go in and fix them. I hope you don't mind. Oh, no, please fix them. I'm sorry if I've been messing it up. This, I actually you use the anything inst- up. It's your site. It's I your site. The Instagram embed is what I use this time. I can see it loading. It goes duck, 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 duck. Sorry. And I, I go in, I do a 50% JPEG. I mean, how people don't... But right now, I, I've got to look at right now. I can't look at anything else. I my right now. I don't, want to, I don't even want to look at anything. I have a retina phone, I think. Like, I don't even want to look at retina because of, of what that turns you into. Are you a retina monster now? Yeah, and, you know, with, with me and my, my, my glyphs, uh, I love my iPad mini so it's filthy. I use it all the time. I use yeah. the living heck out of it. Oh, you should see the cover. I'll send you a picture of the cover. Because, you know, you used to, to, it sits on my desk sometimes, and I have to dust it off. I get, mask, I get like, masking tape, mm. you know, like a Helmac, mm. like a Helmac. I have to roll. I have to roll a Helmac on there just to get all the dander off. Oh God! Yeah, it's, it's kind of a dark brown. Not a good way. <laughs> so that's <laughs> not a, notes. Is the, yeah. Not Do you want to tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about a little thing we call uh, we call. <laughs> <laughs> I can never detect the cracks and the fissures until it's time for the sponge, and I realize you're not quite ready. No, I'm ready. I always do that. The, the printout's right here on the desk. I would. It's right here. I don't have to do anything for it. I'm just I'm trying to think about the, how to do the opening. Well, there's this new uh, this new this new startup, a little thing they've been doing up in uh, Manhattan. Do you know about this? Manhattan. Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. Oh man, he's so great. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. 
for a free trial and 10% off, you go to squarespace.com. You use the offer code Howard Chicken. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a badass. You don't want to mess with Howard Chicken. No. You know about this? He's I do know about this. Now, were you you were talking about Howard Chakowicz. Uh I I played back that episode. Howard Chaikin is who I'm talking about. He's the guy. Chaikin, not Chakowicz. Howard Chaikin is the guy who said to Alan Moore, <laughs> what you got here with Watchmen? That F and A. Mm. It's like the first time Howard Chaikin ever gave somebody a compliment, apparently. Okay. That was 1985. Right. I was a senior in high school. Do you know I'm 46? Oh, my God. If you're looking to host a website, a blog, a portfolio... There's only one place to go. Quit, 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 quit screwing around. Sorry, Dan, finish the read. So this is the thing. People are always saying that they don't know how to, st- how to get something started. They want it to be responsive from day one. They want to, to do all of this and have all And I was talking to somebody who just launched a site recently on Squarespace. And they were so impressed and and they're like I started with it because you guys told us about it on back to where I think they tweeted about this and I love that people who are and this is a weird thing I remember back when I was taking my computer science classes I was always shocked by how smart some of these folks were at writing uh you know the turbo pascal and the modula and at how they they had absolutely no knowledge of like how a computer actually worked like they didn't understand RAM. They didn't understand. Now, nowadays, everyone gets this stuff. We're talking about back in the, in the 30s. And this is the thing is that there are going to be people who are, are super geniuses at building iOS apps. They might be amazing writers. They might be really, really great at doing graphic design or at photography. And yet they have absolutely no knowledge or interest in doing HTML and CSS or knowing what responsive designs mean. They just know that they want their site to look really good on iOS or on Android and on every pretty much every browser that exists. And that's one of the huge selling points of Squarespace is that these sites that they have, these templates that they have, they're already all of those things are already done. And you can get in there and you can drag and drop and you can move things around and you can make the site look the way you want, work the way you want, have the content that you want, whatever it is. And you don't have to you don't have to worry about it. And they have support staff sitting there twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. They'll make sure everything works. You can import your content from any of the major blogging platforms out there while you're in your trial period before you have to pay anything to see if it's gonna work the way you want to work. So it's a great way to migrate and get started with it, or just to start a new site. It's gonna start at eight bucks a month, which I don't know who can complain about that. And if you want to sell stuff like t shirts or electronic stuff, even you can sell it all. Uh, with their commerce thing, which is integrated and they're partnered up with Stripe. And, and it's included. It's included. And this is can, not an add-on. This is not a thing where you right. go and click some radio buttons for which package you want. This, this just comes it's with just it. just built in. So everything, you got responsive design, you get commerce, you get the support. It's easy with drag and drop. Now, if you are, if you are a Merlin man, you can edit the HTML and CSS if you want, but it's <laughs> up to you. And do whatever you want. Howard Chicken. They, they, make, it, they make it hard to break. Can I, can, I, can I say one thing about this? Do you mind? Is this, is this, is this, this is not what they told us to say. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Um, I think that there was a time when, they, when automobiles first became something that people could buy. You kind of needed to be a mechanic mm. to have an automobile. I mean, it's like owning an MG or something. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I mean, you know, when stereos, hi-fis first came out, people would make stereos at, you know, out of kits. Um, there's a point in every new technology, especially what becomes a consumer technology, where you have to be a practitioner of the medium 
as a as a medium mm-hmm. before you can put up cool stuff. And in fact, you may you know it may be a while before you even get to putting up cool stuff because you have to spend so much time working on the medium. You got to get your got to get your car to work. You know, you've you've got to um, you know check the transistors in your hi fi or whatever. And I think we're finally maybe finally getting to a point where we stop noticing the medium. And I, I mean, this sounds kind of, you know, ponderous, but I, but I think it's, I think it's true. I mean, that for so long, you've had to really think a lot about how you get from, you know, A to L right. on, on the internet to where now, I mean, I think something, when, when something, like, I don't have to be an electrician to plug something in and use it in my house. And I'm really glad about that. I don't sit around and go, this is a new thing I can do to utilize the electricity in my home. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not, we're going to stop thinking about the internet and the web in that way. I think for millennials, that's probably how it is. I guess all I'm saying is that like, if you feel any resistance at all to putting stuff up, if you have stuff and have a real burning to get this stuff up, even if you want to have a business, you want to put your restaurant up, they got, they got restaurant templates you can use. You can, put up, you can put up hours for your place. You can put up maps. You can put up your, all of your, your, your toots and Facebooks. It's all just stuff you drag. You just draw, drag the dingus in and you're done. Like, there's no way that we can make you want to make stuff, but if you want to make stuff and have a place to put it, there, I cannot think of a more friction-free way. Friction-free. You, you, you don't have to be an electrician. That's a freebie. Dan, is there, is there an offer code that people could use for, for some kind of a discount? Yeah, it's Howard Chicken. One Howard word. Ch- Howard Chicken what? is going to give you 10% off everything uh, that you buy over there. 10% off starting at eight bucks a year. You register for a whole year. You pay in advance. You're going to get a free domain. Eight bucks a month. Eight bucks a month. Eight bucks a month. It's not much. You said year. I said year. Eight bucks a year. Wow, that's Ooh. a deal. That's a great. Deal. We should let Ryan know. <laughs> let him know. That's the, their new promotion. <laughs> we've been. Their, uh, we call it their frictionless promotion. A bit of blue sky solutioneering on the pricing plan. Yeah, it's actually eight bucks a month. Thank you. Squarespace.com. Offer code Howard Chicken. Chicken. And our thanks to uh, Little Ryan and Squarespace.com for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Mm-hmm. Did I block you there? Did I just did I throw a shoulder tackle at you right there? No, I didn't mean I like that. No, it felt, felt right. Uh, Dan, I'll, I, I think we should talk, talk about uh, personal productivity, but I, I have, I, I'm, I'm really interested in Batman again. I said something to you a long time ago. I don't know if it was on the show proper or the after dark, but I was, uh, you know, how you're always whining about Iron Man at all. It's probably why you whine about Watchmen because only one of them, I think only one, has actual real like superpowers. You like a, you like a power. No, 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 no. I love Iron Man. I've, he's always been in my top. Okay. Five. I, I, Hawkeye well, I watched is the one that I'm, too. I'm, I'm whining about. Okay. All right. Um, but I, Love uh, Iron Man. but I asked you, I said, well, how can you, how can you like Batman so much and not be as, as into Iron Man or something like that? Because yeah. they're both like rich guys who, with toys who made cool suits. Mm-hmm. And, and, and do you remember what you said? No. You said something along the lines of like, yeah, but I'm paraphrasing here, but, but, but Batman represents you know, our dark side. Yes. That's what I he's, like about he's, If Batman were not psychotic mm-hmm. or sociopathic, he would not be the same character. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and, that, and that's kind of where, where the dark Knight goes, right? It takes him into this, this area of like, okay, the rules have changed and now I'm going to have to do something different. And I'm mm-hmm. a fat man. <laughs> yeah. He is over. He is pudgy, but he can it. still fight Superman. And he's got that Robin in the spoilers. Well, yeah, the Robin's in that. What do you want to talk about this week, Dan? I'll talk about Batman. I think it frustrates people sometimes. I mean, well, it's you your, me. it's your not, show. I'm, you talk about whatever you want to talk about. <clears throat> I had some ideas uh, for things. I, I Seriously, I'll talk about Batman. I, I'm excited. So I'm going to go home. I'm going to read Dark Knight. And then I'm going to read uh, Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. Should I read that other thing first? What was the other thing? Hush? What should I read first? I mean, Hush is great. It's a long read. 
Oh, you know what else started is uh, Superman Batman. I haven't read that yet. I got, a, I got it signed. I got it signed from uh, Greg Pak. I, gosh darn you! You get to meet all these cool comic people. It's really right. cool. Yeah. No, I'm not envious. I'm happy. Yeah. I wouldn't mind meeting Greg Pak. He's just he hanging out. He's life. a cool dude. Lay yeah, Moises. They, they, they like, they're like drinking buddies, right? I can't, if that's what you call it. Yeah. Wow! 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 Hmm. I'm a big Moises fan. Um, no, he's super cool. He, um, uh, he was here in Austin at uh, the Dragon Slayer comics Moises? Uh, shop. Moises is, is there and uh, Greg Pak was there. Yeah, Pac he seems is super cool. cool. Super cool. He seems really, really, really cool. Like he's not, he's not at all, like you, he's a guy waiting in line at a grocery store who you would get into a conversation with about comics and realize that all of a sudden like he's Everybody behind you is yelling. <laughs> yeah. No, baby, he's a suit. He's just like completely unassuming and really nice to talk to. And uh, he met Cash. Gave Cash a little uh, little Superman, Batman button set. How nice is that? That's super nice is how that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice Greg Pockets. <laughs> oh, I hate hearing my voice. It's good. But we could, uh, we could talk about Batman. We could talk um, more about bosses and leadership. Do people hate it when we talk about topics? You do. You no, they, like I you. love the topics. I like when you come in prepared with your cards. What do you want to talk about? What's it be in your bonnet? What's on your mind, Dan? You know, I was uh, I was reading this this thing that uh, that you know you know that Sean uh, Blanc, Sean Blanc, yeah, Sean Blanc. He recently uh, did came out with this thing called uh, this book. Delight is in the details. And oh, he, absolutely. Will you uh, we put that up in the notes? Yeah, I'll put that in there right now. And he's got a nice post about it on his site. And he he self published this book. And there's something in here that when I was reading this article that he wrote about it uh, that. It, it really struck me as a topic that I felt like you would have something to, to say about it. And we haven't talked about this yet. But um, apparently he has some show out there called Sean Today, which I, I'm not familiar with. Uh, but he says he talked about uh, something. He says this is an, in a section of the post called Launch Day Fears. And again, this will be in the show notes. Where could people go if they want to find the show notes that we keep talking about, Merlin? Oh, if they wanted to uh, find the show notes, they would go to 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 132. That's uh, B as in Dingus, uh, 2 as in the continent, and W as in Listerine. All right. He says, on today's episode of Sean Today, I talked about this in great detail, and perhaps sometime I'll write about it more here as well. But in short, the launch day was incredibly emotional for me. I was nervous, of course, but I also woke up feeling like a fraud before I had even shipped the book. Now, this is a book that he'd worked on for months and blogged about and everything. He said, I felt fearful that people would consider the content of my book uh, and the interviews to be not worth paying for, and yet here I was charging $29. He says, I decided I would continue as planned and not make any emotional decisions or listen to the lizard brain on launch day. I wasn't afraid nobody would buy it. Rather, I was afraid people would buy it and be upset. And, of course, the opposite turns out to be true. He's had really good feedback. But this whole feeling of feeling like a, like a fraud or, or, you know, making making decisions based on emotion, I don't know why, but this just seemed like a Merlin topic to me. So oh, I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. You can veto it or you can hold no, it for 100%. another show. And congratulations uh, to Sean. That's, uh, it's wonderful to hear that's doing well. Um, it's always good to see an independent guy or a gal um, succeeding at their thing. No, I, 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 I think that's a really good topic. Um, and yeah, I, I got, we talked not too long ago about the thing of... Did we talk about emotion-based decision-making? 
I don't so know we if we've about, ever talked about that as a which aspect do you want to focus on? Because I first of all, I'm totally on board. Which uh, where do you want to focus on the on the the, the fraud part? I want to do. The, I uh, want to hit both. I want to do the fraud part, and I want to do. I want to do the emotional based decisions. The closest I think we ever got to the emotional based decisions was back early on when we were talking about just the guy sitting in a room thing. But, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, but every it's if you think about it, for people who who make like impulsive decisions or decisions that, that are emotional. I just think that's such a good topic in general, mm-hmm. but the, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And, um, I'll hop in. Um, I think when I was on that uh, show, uh, that Jeremy show, um, the, uh, his name is escaping me right now. We ended up talking about, you know, the becoming um, kind of an emotional mess and how you accept some of that when you do creative work. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's true, but there's a, there's a slight twist to that that I think makes it more applicable to lots of people. I mean, you know, I think it takes, <laughs> again, I said this on Montero and uh, Jess, Jesse's show a couple weeks ago, is that it takes a certain amount of conceit to make anything and then put it in front of people. And I mean, that certainly comes through in all the kind of like, oh, that person's fancy. They think they can do whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, but it takes, it, it does take a certain amount of conceit to put anything out there. Um, it takes conceit to even like raise your hand at a meeting and say something. Yeah. Because you have to, even if you aren't overtly consciously thinking about it, you have to believe that you have something to say. But that doesn't mean you're not going to feel like a sick feeling in your stomach. So I think, I think there's this, class of issues around creativity and wanting to do your own thing and maybe not feeling confident in your own skills. But then there's this like, I don't know, super class. There's this class over that, this bigger class, which is like whatever happens when you go into the unfamiliar or expose yourself in any way. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that's related, but I think one reason people end up not doing so much different stuff is that they, they have that fear. They have that fear uh, anxiety, fear of, of exposing themselves. And so, you know, you might want to just keep your head down and, and you know, this is, this is not, I don't mean this in, in like to be a totally cliched thing. It's not like, Oh, there's a bunch of people with, uh, berets and, you know, uh, gallery shows and then all the proles. I think it's much more complicated and nuanced than that. That could be deciding to have a kid mm-hmm. that could be deciding to buy a house. There's so many things where you have to walk across this, this gap of the unknown, but I think it's just part of the process for, for anybody who makes anything, um, you know, I listen to that accidental, uh, accidental tech podcast a lot and they have been talking a lot lately about, you know, think about the changes in the app economy, right. um, with iOS. And I mean, I, I get this from, from, from John and Casey and Marco, but I, I hear it lots of other places too. People are having to completely realign how they think about their release schedule. You can't, you can no longer just go, okay, we're going to have a dot release every year mm-hmm. and people will give us $39 every year. Cause that's just not how it works now. You can't have upgrades inside of things. I, I there's an app I like a lot. I will pay for this. And I'm not, I don't mean to bitch about this, but two apps that I like a lot in the last year, I opened them up one day and then there were features that I had to pay for that used to be part of the app. Right. Because I don't think there's another way to make the dough. You can't make people go out. I went out and bought a new copy of this uh, halftone comic app. It makes things into look like a comic strip. Um, and I, I, I still not entirely sure what's different in the new version, except now that it's got in-app purchases. Is it halftone? Halftone. Yeah. yeah. I think it's extremely confusing. It's, ex- it's confusing to me. But the reason I mentioned that in particular is that you might be like, like Marco was, I mean, I don't think Marco would have sold Instapaper if he thought there was going to be a giant future where it was worth his time. Mm-mm. Candidly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> people don't still sell stuff. They still want unless they really have to. And I don't think it really has to, 
but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I think it became something where I, I got I got the whiff of it on Build and Analyze for a very like maybe over a year. It became clear that his competition was getting so fierce and well funded, and he kept a brave face for a long time. But I, I think it must have been extremely difficult for him. I, I haven't talked to him a lot about it, but I I think that's something you could just tell from looking because that economy is crazy now. I mean. I guess I'm not I'm not putting this one when I'm rambling, but I, I think that's emblematic. I'm trying to give an example other than like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, put my book out there. Mm-hmm. Although that's definitely something to feel worried about for sure. Yeah. But think about like you get into this and maybe you have like a bit, you make a ton of money even, or you get a lot of critical um, success, you know, but you're going to see this, if you're lucky, you'll see a giant, it's like putting out an indie rock record. Like Roderick has, has said, you know, I think it's pretty common, at least back in the day, that you put out a record. Your first week needs to be big because you might see half of the sales each week after that. You know, this is another thing, I mean, not just in records. I always see this about movies like oh failure to correctly promote a movie. I could barely could, find a theater with Pacific Rim and it's been out for like a month. Yeah. And then that, a, will kill, that will kill a movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, exactly. You come out of the gate with something like whatever, like The Lone Ranger, I guess is a well-known recent example where like they lost money on that movie and they knew it within like, I guess hours. Isn't that bizarre that you could put all that work a year or two of work into a film and then, and hope it goes well, spend, have a marketing budget that's almost equivalent to the amount you spend on it. But you still, you know what I mean? I, I remember hearing that about, I might have mentioned this before, but I think when the first Michael Jackson record that came out that didn't, wasn't phenomenally successful. And I remember hearing like, I don't, Oh, it only sold this many, hundred thousand copies or a million copies. I remember thinking that is so weird. Like why? Okay. That's a really high standard to think you've got to sell. Yeah. But here's the thing. Remember what the marketing budget is. Mm -hmm. Remember what the production costs are. I mean, the cost of making those discs and getting getting them into the Sam Goody at what you hope will be a big enough scale to capitalize on that first day. That's extremely risky, you know? And, um, as long as I'm rambling, I heard a really good, uh, not really good, but a pretty good interview with, um, the breaking bad guy. Uh, on Jeff Garland's podcast. Who's the Breaking Bad guy? What's his name? I don't, you know, I don't watch a show. I know exactly the guy who you mean. I'm, I'll look it up right now. Um, but, he, you know, he has done, <laughs> Garland and him were talking, time-wise, he's done the equivalent of like 30 movies. If you look at those, all the seasons of Breaking Bad, but, you know, there's no guarantee that the next thing he said, he and Garland agreed that pretty much no matter what he does next, he's going to disappoint almost everybody. Mm-hmm. There's just, so what does that mean? Does that mean he shouldn't Brian do it? Brian Cranston. No, I'm sorry. the The guy who created the show, oh, the creator of the um, show. So uh, the is it um, Vince? <laughs> yes, Vince Gilligan. Yep, 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 yep. He wrote that uh, that uh, Drew Barrymore movie, Home Fries. Home Fries. Home Fries. I'd like some home <clears throat> fries. I got I got way off topic. I'm sorry. We started with Sean Blanc. Um, the thread the thread I'm trying to find in this is that that to do anything cool, you have to kind of step out on a ledge at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've talked a lot about this, like wanting this, you know, you got to go like commit to starting your business. Right. Um, you've you've got to whatever you commit to having a blog that you're going to do repeatedly. Commit to having a show that I mean, would you have guessed from the beginning that we would do this for two and a half years? God, I, mean, I hoped we would have. Yeah, but I mean, the joke the joke that was not a joke was that Merlin won't do it for more than three right, episodes. three episodes is all you all he's going to do. And so, like, we've had to cancel stuff to do the show sometimes because mm-hmm. that's that's a thing that we didn't. But that's like a certain amount of trust and and reaching out that that, that you've got to do. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, like, you might work really, really hard on something like an app and do everything right, do every single aspect of it right, and put it out, 
And it might be within a couple of weeks, you're getting like single to double digit sales, maybe mm. of like a 99 cent app. And that's not, that's not going to be a lifestyle supporting app at that point. Like, so what do you do? Do you play games? Do you try and change the name of it to sound like something else? Mm-hmm. Do you keep putting that annoying thing in the first line of every update about how you should update your review? I understand why they do it, but it's, it feels desperate sometimes. And I guess it is desperate because you can't like, wh- you know, what are you going to do? And then you got to live with that. Do you, do you go make another app? Do you, do you re-release that one? Do you just EOL it and like, like stop updating it without telling people? Like, I, I think those are all fearful and anxiety making positions to be in. And if you have enough of those kinds of experiences where you get hurt or scared, then again, that becomes a muscle or a habit. That becomes something you do over and over. I'm not getting near what you were saying. Jump in. No, I mean, this is exactly, this is exactly what I want. Keep going. Um, the fraud part is complicated. That might be a whole episode, but, um, well, I just, I mean, the only comment about that is I don't know why people like that word I hear over and over again. Yeah, I do too. I don't quite understand. I don't quite understand it either. And, and it's, it, it puzzles me because if you're, I feel, I feel bad. I wasn't going to say anything, but like uh, we've all felt like frauds, but it seems like it's kind of a word that's in currency now f- amongst uh, people in our circles to talk about a certain kind of problem. Yeah. And I understand it. I feel like fraud all the time, but sometimes, but about some things, but yeah. It, and what do you think? So tell me. Well, I mean, the only thing that I can imagine, the only is because they, you know, this doesn't, I, I take that back. I can't understand it because I mean, like, for example, I remember when I launched five by five, it was like something that I was working really, really hard on. And, uh, I was really feeling like the, I was putting my all into it and the shows we were making were really great. And like, I felt really excited, but of course I'm nervous. Like, well, what if nobody listens and what if the sponsors don't want to come back? And like, but the way that I dealt with that was just by working really, really hard and doing the best job that I could do. And I never once even remotely felt like a fraud ever. No, uh, that's the all. exact opposite of the way I felt. I felt like I'm doing my best work. I'm working really, really hard. If it's not successful, it'll be because what I did did not appeal to enough people or the right people or whatever. It would be that this thing that I was making, just this isn't what people wanted for whatever reason. It, that didn't mean that it wasn't good or it didn't mean that I wasn't giving it my all. So the, the, the fraud part is like, it, it's, it's almost like you're out there selling uh, you know snake oil or something where you know that what you're making isn't good and you're getting people to buy it. I always felt like what we were doing and I still feel like what we're doing is, is really good. And of course you, at the end of it, you listen back, you're like, oh, that sucked. I got to do better next time, but there's no fraudness happening for me. So I don't know why that is, that term is out there so much now. Well, I, it's, I will literally just speak for myself. If you tell people that you're worried about seeming like a fraud, I think it makes you sympathetic. So if you are concerned about your own authenticity and skill, I think it, I think you could say to people, hey, look, I'm in a position here where I, I'm, not, I'm not that confident in what I'm doing or mm. I'm, I'm worried. More importantly, really, I'm worried what people will think about it. I mean, there's a difference between like being if you like a fraud and being concerned people will discover that versus you feeling like a fraud. Well, I'm, I'm not sure how you get out of the second one. I guess, I mean, at what point will you stop feeling like a fraud? Mm-hmm. It, just, it seems like you, if you did that for too long, you could really sad sack your way into a certain kind of... I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'll tell you something I've been thinking about lately that's related to this, I think. 
Um, and I, I don't mean to just be a word nerd here, but I started thinking more about words we use with, for example, the difference between untrue. So say so the difference between true, accurate, honest, correct, yes, affirmative. Those, those all can mean really different things. And when you talk to a nerd, you notice some nerds will say correct. So if, if you say to them, so sometimes when you talk to a nerd in particular, I've noticed you say to somebody, um, the, so the project is scheduled to be done by uh, September 1st. Mm-hmm. Correct. So and I think what that person is saying <laughs> is that what you've just told me is correct. Yeah. Now what's the difference between that and yes? So the project is uh, scheduled to be done by September 1st. Yes. That's a very, it might sound like a shade, but you're, it's, it's one thing is you're agreeing with what that person said. Yeah. And the other thing is you are affirming that that is a correct fact in the universe, which sounds like a shade of difference. But once you start going down that road a little bit, which, becomes, are you, which are you saying is better? I'm not saying either one is better. I'm saying they're different. Yeah. In the same way that there's a difference between dishonesty and lying. Mm. Um, and so, for example, I mean, I think the, the, the I don't know, if the, I'm not that much of a word nerd, but I would say that lying, so be, being dishonest, sometimes being dishonest could be saying something that is not 100% accurate and you may or may not know that it's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I think the definition of a lie is saying something that A, you know is not true, that B, you know you're deliberately saying to someone to make them think a falsehood. And I think there is a difference. Maybe that's maybe that makes me a fraud, but I mm-hmm. think that's a big difference. <laughs> I, I really, I really do. And I started to think about this more. And as I sit around and listen to like, you know, stuff on the radio, I, I find myself sometimes getting really frustrated with the way that people phrase things. Because and maybe this is a result of listening to too many things with, you know, Dr. Drang and John Syracuse. But like, I started to think a lot about like, what, what are empirical known facts in the world? What is an accurate way of putting things? What is a platonic idea of truth? And the older I get, the more I think that those are extremely different things. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I think it doesn't, it isn't just semantic. Um, it isn't just like, you know, armchair semiotics. I think there's something to it. And so when you say that you're a fraud, I mean, you know, maybe one reason I'm blanching in that word, at that word, what I'm trying to get at is because I am thinking more about what those words mean. And when I think when people say they're a fraud, they might feel like, well, I'm not confident that what I've done is really, I'm not, when people say that, I think they might mean, um, I'm not sure if this did what I set out to have it do. They might mean, um, I'm not sure that this will be successful mm. on the terms that I'd like it to be. I think what people mean a lot of the time when they say that is I'm, I'm worried what people will think of me. Right. Because I'll tell you, like, I know, I know Sean and I, there, no, nobody would accuse him of being a fraud. And I, don't, I, I haven't read what he said. So I, I'm only going on what, on what you, what you said, but yeah. just to be clear, I'm not trying to, I'm not, this is not any kind of a comment about Sean. I don't know one way or another, but I mean, I, that, I what I'm getting at is what you said, which is that that's a term you hear people say a lot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, that that's it. Um, in which case, all those different definitions, and you know, maybe I'm bananas to think that all these words mean different things. But I think there's a big difference between saying I'm putting something out that may not reach the high water mark I'd hoped for, versus like I don't think I know what I'm doing, versus um, I'm not being what I represented myself to be. Because that's versus, what fraud. That's what fraud means to me is that. You're, there's a, an aspect of misrepresent intentional 
and hypocrisy. I think sometimes hypocrisy yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is very much tied into that. But I've heard and people think, say that that like when they're starting a new job, like not you know he he self published this thing. But I've heard people like going in and saying like, oh, I've, you know, I feel like a fraud with my job. Like I'm, you know, supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. And usually it, I actually feel like, and one thing I just, not to uh, interrupt you there uh, or, or stonewall you, if you will, but there's an aspect to this that I think that the people who, who genuinely feel like they are a fraud are never a fraud. That if you're having those feelings that that's just a a way of kind of saying <laughs> i feel very responsible for this thing that i'm doing and i'm i'm you know it's it's almost a sense of inner failure in a way i think people who really think they're a fraud don't say it right interesting think about that yeah um i don't know i think if they really actually did think they're a fraud they wouldn't say it cuz they'd no longer feel like a fraud I think they'd be looking for people to increase their self-confidence about how good their product is right. or whether they're a good person or a, you know, stand up dude or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the kind of, if you think about it for a second, it doesn't, it doesn't make that much sense. It's put a different way. I mean, in a, a completely different way, we've talked about, you know, the honesty thing and how everybody's, you know, obsessed with honesty and hypocrisy and all these things that just, I don't know, as I get older, it just, they just all seem so, it's so, such a weird thing to obsess about in some ways. It's because we, we have to deal with other people all the time. We have to trust other people. We have to know that somebody's going to have our back as much as we should hopefully have theirs. And we're always looking for this leveling, this resource leveling to make sure that everything's fair and even, and that nobody who has something that we don't, you know, got it properly i don't know i those are they're interesting issues imposter syndrome is what the chat room is linking us to on wikipedia are you familiar with this i've yeah i've heard of this okay i haven't this is new to me so here's i read it to it says the imposter syndrome sometimes called the imposter phenomenon or fraud syndrome is a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their accomplishments despite external evidence of their competence those with the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and did not deserve the success they have achieved proof of success is dismissed as luck timing, or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent and competent than they believe themselves to be. I've felt that. Yeah, I've felt I, that. I almost feel like that that is less common than the opposite of that, which is people who think that they are very good because they have had luck timing or uh, deceived others. Well, I think I see that a lot where, where, you know, people were in the right place at the right time and they think they have the the Midas touch and and but and, but but what remarks like what you're saying right there are why people are scared of being discovered being scared of being accused of being frauds right that's right I, <laughs> right and, and I'll, I'll say it again I think I think the reason everybody's so hung up on hypocrisy is because they're scared of being called a hypocrite most people will not admit that but I think that's accurate and we something we talked about half a dozen times also um, Dan if I say something to you. Mm-hmm. I'm just being, I'm, I am being 100% honest with you right now. I'm just, I'm being honest. When I hear myself say that over and over, it makes me wonder if what I'm saying is true because what, you know, <laughs> to you say to somebody, it's basically like saying to somebody fact in the world. And just so you know, I'm not a liar. Right. Like, why would you say that? It's like, it's, it's, it's strange. Like a pre, it's a strange thing to say a pre-qualification. If somebody starts out with you by, by saying, I'm going to be honest with you, Merlin. And that could be accurate, okay? That might be accurate, but it sounds weird. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Or correct. 
It might be correct. And you know, honey, I got your flowers, but I'm not cheating on you. <laughs> so if you're not cheating on her, like, why would <laughs> right. you say that? Right. Just FYI. I, 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 look, I don't want to seem like a fraud, and I'm definitely not cheating on you, but I got you these flowers. Yeah. I don't want to seem like a hypocrite, but I hope you like them. <laughs> well, congratulations on making it all about you. <laughs> like, I, I, realize, I realize that I have used that, it, it, like, started out with some honestly. Well, does that mean the other things you were saying were not honest up until that point, and now you're turning a new leaf to be honest with the person? Or, you know, it, it's kind of, it has that, it's fallen I, into our are it's it's an expression that's fallen into use but it actually makes a strange a strange well, I, statement I, I, let me let me clarify i say that all the time and i'll tell you why i think i do it um sometimes you know it's one of the things like our joke about you know literally um which doesn't mean literally it means figuratively that's that's the joke is we're making fun of people who say literally i literally died last night um but i think i say it in situations where i feel self-conscious mm-hmm and I say, I'll say something like, I'm just being honest. You know, I said this on Roderick, Roderick on the line a couple of weeks ago saying like, I, I used to think my daughter brings out the best in me and now I worry that she brings out the worst in me, like through no fault of hers. Mm-hmm. Like I said, and I kept saying over and over, I'm just being honest because I was uncomfortable saying that. Uh, I don't think it makes me a bad person to feel that way, but in, just in the sense of like, oh, I want to be a pal. And sometimes I'm not being like a real dad. I'm being, I'm being more like a sibling or something or a pal, which is no way to be if you're, if you're trying to be a parent. And I've just been becoming more aware of that. I'm just being honest. That's, that's what I would say in that context. The other thing I think it means, and I don't think this is just for me, these things, uh, maybe, but I think sometimes when you say this to people, you might say, you know, we josh around a lot, but I need you to know that this is a thing. It's almost a way of saying I'm being serious right. Right. when people say that they're, that they're being honest. I, I think the thing to address, though, is, is when we say those things as an unconscious rhetorical ploy, uh, unconscious, right? Understandably, unconscious rhetorical ploy, mm-hmm. that it's, it's not helping anything. And it helps, I mean, if you did really feel, I think it's not about Sean, but like if you felt like a fraud, it would be worth exploring like, you know, why you, why you feel like a fraud. I am totally sympathetic because I've felt like, more than a fraud, I felt like a failure about a lot of things. Now, now that I can get on board with. And that's a terrible, that's a terrible, terrible feeling. You know, I mean, the nice thing about, I guess the nice thing about, about I don't know if it's a nice thing, but it, it's a crummy feeling to feel like you've, you've failed. It's just, I mean, it's such a stupid thing to say. I was just being honest. <laughs> but the fail, no, see, the failure thing I can get, I can understand that. Where you do something... And back to what I was saying, like five by five, when it came out, like, let's say nobody listened to any of the shows. I'd say, well, this was a failure. That's a nice distinction. Failure versus fraud. Right. Never, never would I have felt like a fraud because I was working hard and doing my best. And uh, some of the folks in the chat room were, uh, were saying that this is as much as, and actually they paid you a little compliment here. Uh, steady blender says, I think, uh, they're saying that like it has more to do with recognizing how great everyone else in the space is. Like when you go to school and everyone seems like some kind of genius, Uh, Uh, steady blender, male or female, who knows says, so if you're a blogger and you compare yourself to 43 folders and feel like your product isn't as good, even when you know you're trying your best and what your product might actually, you know, and what, that what you produce might actually be pretty good. You know, I feel like that's, that's what people are doing and they're comparing, but, I think it's all relative, right? Like if, if you're trying hard and you do something and you put it out there, people eventually will find it and like it. Like that's just the, the way that it works. Maybe so. I mean, part of, okay, so here's another way, maybe a slightly nicer way of putting fraud. Um, I had a friend, uh, gosh, a long time ago who was in AA 
And I first heard this phrase from her, which is that I'm going to fake it till I make it. Right. So trite. But God, that is true. So have you never had a job where you felt mostly unqualified? Every job. Or, yeah, well, yeah. And so so hopefully you stick with it long enough. But during that, you know, interregnum, when you might feel like a fraud, you might go like during the dot-com days, mm-hmm. we were all operating like two levels above anywhere where we should be. Staffing was hard. Staffing was costly. And so we were all doing way too many things that we were unqualified to do at the same time. And there was a lot of days I felt like that where I was like, I don't even, I've never done any of this, let alone done any of this well. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe I'm expected to now manage somebody who does that. Like, that's, this is so weird. It used to be that you would have to go have this job for 10 years before you get these kinds of quote unquote responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I I, I was supposed to manage a guy who did online ad selling. I'd never done that in my life. This is 1999, 2000. I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to manage somebody. I had no idea how to uh, deal with online advertising. Because even then the environment was not great, um, you know, for like banner ads. And my boss gratefully took it away from me after like a week or two of me not even talking to the guy because I had other stuff to do. <laughs> I thought, you know, I was like, okay, go. I trust you. Like, <laughs> knock him dead. Yeah. And he like he like ran an eBay business all day. So, I mean, the, so so one thing also is, and I'll shut up. The, another distinction between being a fraud and a failure, like to me. I really believe this. I'll try and find a podcast where I talked about this. Actually, it was another Jeremy podcast a million years ago on his cocktail napkin thing. We talked about failure mm-hmm. and how I like, I, I really feel like, you know, <sighs> failure is such a snapshot in time in some ways. Like you could feel like a permanent serial failure. If you feel that way when you're in your 20s, you need to buck up. Like, <laughs> like you could be, and you can feel like a failure at any time. There's certainly times where you're more likely to come back than others. But, you know, this is another show we've done before. But like, think about how many things that turned out great started in failure. Go back to our first, first or second episode talking about, you know, ODO and Twitter. Yeah. That was a huge failure. I mean, it's not wasn't necessarily their fault. The iTunes store intervened to make ODO unnecessary, but it was a categorical failure. And <laughs> as a business, it was not tenable anymore. They had to sell it to some like Russian mobsters, <laughs> put up lots of like sex porn <laughs> spam. Right. Remember when you couldn't take it down from your site? It was really weird. It was weird. They had a thing where you couldn't log in and get rid of spam on the site. It was very odd. Um, yeah, but was that a but does that make you a failure? Does that project make you a failure? I think the thing is, if you feel like you've become a failure, it's going to be hard not to feel like a fraud because mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be, in, I'm not even going to say you even deserve to be good, that you deserve to be successful. You might feel that you don't deserve to be anything but bad and wrong. And that if you were to be um, arrogant or God forbid, confident enough to say, I might be capable of something better then you're always going to be stuck there. You're always going to feel like a failure. And if you feel like that all the time, you'll feel like a fraud. It doesn't mean that just because you have enough confidence to go try something, even try something maybe that you haven't succeeded at yet. Well, everybody hasn't succeeded at that thing at some point. You know, if you decide, whatever, something stupid, you decide you want to be a billionaire. Does that mean you're a failure until you, you reach that number of zeros? No, it just means that you haven't gotten where you, where you want it to be. And if you don't succeed at that, does that mean you're a failure? Well, you might have failed at that goal or project, which I would think is kind of a kind of a silly project to begin with. It's a weird metric. Yeah, like there's nobody out there who wants to be a billionaire. I mean, right? <laughs> right? I think that's a pretty common thing is somebody who goes, in my head, there's a certain amount of money. And when I reach that, I will know I've arrived. Well, first of all, you're deranged. Uh, you'll never arrive. But But second of all, does that mean everything in between is it all just an annoying car ride and a, and, a, and a hot automobile before you arrive at Disney World? No, it's your freaking life, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I'm sympathetic to anybody who feels like a fraud. I, I, I have felt like that. 
I, I, and but I, I mean, but does that doesn't that really mean that you're mostly worried what people will think about you? Can the product speak for itself? In my case, a lot of times I didn't feel like it could. You know, I felt like you know, it's like when you watch Project Runway and Michael Kors is like, you know, well, that's all a lot of great talk, but like, why doesn't the garment stand on its own? You know, I think he's kind of a tool, but but that's you know, the, once you mature as somebody who makes something. Um, hopefully at some point you won't feel the need to put it in context with who you are. Like it'll maybe eventually be a good thing on its own. You know, of course you might, who knows? I, I love children's hospital, but maybe there's episodes of that show that come out that he doesn't love, but he doesn't feel the need to put out a director's commentary on every episode to explain like how good he thought it was. He just keeps working. And I think, I think that's a model is being able to do something that God, look at breaking bad. What a tremendous amount of work to put out every one of those episodes. Mm -hmm. And it turned out great. Yeah. But he also did home fries where they like deliberately hid Drew Barrymore. Not, this is not his doing. They deliberately hid Drew Barrymore's pregnancy in the trailers so that her fans would come and think she's going to be hot Drew Barrymore. Hmm. I mean, so boy, if that were me in 2000, I might've felt pretty dispirited and felt kind of like a failure, but then he did Breaking Bad. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Maybe he's not a billionaire. And you never boy, know, you never path. know when, when it is going to be your Breaking Bad, right? You know, you, like you all you do know, is just go through the motions of doing the best work that you can do. Hundred, hundred percent. But this gets mm. back to another thing that, as I get older, I find it difficult to get away from, which is how do you want to spend your day, right? I mean, what is your metric for success? Like, maybe your metric for success is you want to be recognized as good at what you do. You want to be recognized as being competent at what you do. I think that's a dangerous road. Mm. Um, I think it's a dangerous road to walk down because now your notion of success is completely dependent on strangers and what they feel. And uh, one of my better known toots from a long time ago was something along the lines of, uh, as long as strangers, you know, as long as strangers have the power to control your emotions, you're fundamentally effed. Mm. I mean, be careful how much you, you of yourself you put on other people's feelings of who you are. Because if you're waiting for other people to tell you that you're not a fraud, first of all, they may be wrong. You may still be a fraud but it's also probably not improving your work. Like what, what would it take for you to maybe not worry so much about those labels and worry about those goals and focus on doing something that you really like, it's like doing all day. If you don't like the process of painting, you probably shouldn't be a painter. If you worry that you aren't a good enough painter yet and that you're a fraud, maybe you're in the wrong racket or maybe you should quit worrying about that and make something that you think is really awesome. Because that's what you do. Like how you spend your day every day is your life. All that stuff that you've got that's going to be like this brass ring that's waiting for you after you go around the carousel a certain number of times, it's not real. You might get hit by a car tomorrow and you will have spent years doing something that you despised in order to make people think that you were on your way to something great. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want to do, that can be, that can be okay. But that's, that's going to be your deal. Um, it's, I think there's a balance to be found, though, um, between making something that you think is really great and, and working around the people and in the environments that you like. I realized a long time ago, I don't want to be a comic. I mean, you know, comedian. Like, I can't be around that culture. It was dispiriting to me. But I do like hanging around the people I get to hang out with at WWDC. Like, um, they're way over my head in a lot of ways. I feel like a fraud. <laughs> but, I mean, I can't sit around and talk about the, the C-plus objective stack. Yeah, that's not your. <laughs> no, that's not my uh, wheelhouse, as yeah, you say. Outside of that, I'm sorry, I went off on a jag there. I'm very, I am extremely sympathetic. I think it's very common for anybody who's trying to do something and put themselves out there to worry about how it's going to turn out and how they're going to look. 
But, um, and who knows, this might be something that keeps me from doing new stuff. I worry what people will think. I worry about the stupid comics podcast that I could probably do in my sleep. Why don't I just do it? Well, I, I, I worry that people are going to think, oh, it's not a big enough thing. Like, yo, Merle's got a new podcast and it's about comics. Big deal. That's stupid. I don't know why I like, let is that it a fa- In other words, it's a failure if you do something and it's not a big deal. Well, yes, Because I, I get that. Well, here's the other thing, though. Uh, and this is a little subtle. But um, what is it I expect that or need that to be in my head? And is anything short of that a failure? Like, why don't I just keep making more stuff that I like doing and mm-hmm. like making and the people seem, at least some small portion of people seem to like. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the problem is if you set if you set yourself, now you're getting into that black and white thinking, not you, but someone who does that is getting into that black and white thinking again, which is that if I don't hit the bullseye, I might as well have never picked up the bow. Here's the thing, Dan. You know what I'm saying? That That's, that's a very high bar. Instead, why don't you realize that if you're lucky, you're going to be alive for a few more years and you'll have lots of things that didn't turn out great. You're going to have... You're going to bake lots of glass things that don't turn into an actual light bulb, but you know, keep, keep moving forward and have the confidence to, to grow and learn. Cause if you get stuck to where you think you're a fraud, well, you, you are, I mean, you're not a fraud. You're now you're a failure because <laughs> you've decided that that's your lot in life. And I, I think it's worth having the conceit mm. to say like, I could do something better. I could do something different. You know, I kind of hate that phrase, learn from your failure, failures, but like, I think it does help to be open to what the, what the world can teach you about that failure. Not what people say about you, but like what you can learn out of that. Um, I don't know. I want to take that back. I hate when people talk about learning from failures. It's so lame. The only people who talk about learning from failures are people who feel like they're currently successful, who may be frauds. Well, see, it, see how I took it in turn? <laughs> is, the, is it bad to feel like you've had the flip side of this, that you've, and you were just sort of mentioning this, is that, it, okay, I did this thing and it actually looked like it worked and it's pretty good. Is that bad? Is I that somehow a bad, is that somehow a bad thing if you bad, feel bad, bad, in what sense? Bad, bad in the sense that it hinders what you're going to do next or bad in the sense that somebody might think something about you? Either, I think almost both. everything, well, I think almost everything, were, well, what if it didn't matter what people thought about you? Yeah. Like, what would you do differently? Because now you're not worried about whether you're a failure because who cares if people see it? Like, who, you know, if you're a success and people like begrudge that success, very few of us are big enough people to, to actually behave. And I'm not going to get into that dance like nobody's watching because shut up. I don't ever want to hear that quote again. Mm. But um, I really think that what people think of us has a huge, maybe it starts out when you're young and you don't want to be bullied, and you don't want to look stupid, and you don't want to like uh, ask somebody out and be rebuffed and laughed at. You know, I think those experiences really stick with us. I think that that thing is, I'm never going to do another thing unless I know I can slam dunk it. Mm. Unless I know I am virtually guaranteed success, I will never put myself out again in public. I'm not going to go dance. I look like a douche. Like, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to go... <sighs> Like, play a stupid game with my kid in front of people because what might people think of me? Like, boy, like, once you start processing that stuff too much, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can go too far and look like a hobo like me. Like, like maybe that's dumb. But I don't know. I just don't think there's that much to be gained, especially as you get older, by worrying that much about what people think of you, especially if it distracts you from improving the work or improving your life. Again, I'm not saying I'm great at this. <laughs> I might be a fraud. Yeah. But... You know, if you reach a certain point where you decided that you are some kind of a creative person, then I think it's one thing to have a business 
a nose for business and saying whether or not the app I'm making is likely to be sustainable, whether the podcasting network I'm putting together is something that people will want. But like, I could survive a dumb blog post. I think it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. If there's episodes of this show that people aren't into. What? Right, put, Wait a minute. What? what about this? What about this? What about us? What if it's a show that we are like unbelievably, incredibly happy with that we think represents the apotheosis of what we're capable of as two people talking like, and nobody liked it. Mm-hmm. So what do we change? Do we, do we worry that we're not going to, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's a silly example because it's just a podcast. But I think if you look at your life, gang, like you will find examples of this everywhere. You know, um, what you decided to call yourself does not really have that much impact on anybody but yourself. There are always going to be people who look at you and think you're a fraud and a hypocrite and a liar and a dumbass. But like how much effect should that have on what you've decided to do or make? It's a good question. It is. I'm gonna leave it there. Yes. Okay. I'm button this up. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Mm-hmm.